0: Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff.
1: And welcome back into the Bama On Three show. This is your host, Clint Lambson, here once again with Jimmy Stein. Jimmy, it's Thursday. We've made it past National Signing Day. Wasn't a suit. It was definitely not as busy as it was the first go around during the early signing period. Uh, I know that you, uh, I was writing articles the entire day pretty much and, and uh, keeping stuff updated. You were doing probably the fastest analysis as far as just breaking down the guys who were signing and your thoughts on them. You had that stuff up so quick on the message boards. It just extremely impressed with the job you did with that during the, the early signing period. But we just didn't have as much going on yesterday. And, right. uh, you know, we, they did end up landing Danny Lewis, the three star tight end out of Louisiana. They were in the running for Jalen Farmer, an offensive lineman who ended up sticking with his commitment to Florida based off of, you know, and Nick Saban said during his press conference yesterday afternoon, he said, We got a commitment, you know, one guy, which is what we were planning on going into the day said it very subtly, but it told me they were looking for one guy. They lo- really liked Danny Lewis. I'm sure they liked Jalen Farmer as well. They were going after him, but I think that they had pulled back the reins a little bit, and they were completely fine with letting him go to Florida. Now, granted, Florida's you know taking that and running with it and making it seem like that their guys are, are uh, beating Nick Saban on the recruiting trail and Alabama on the recruiting trail, and I don't know how true that is. In this particular case, I mean, uh, who knows? Jalen Farmer may have still gone to Florida. Maybe the reason they pulled back and really focused in on Denny Lewis is because they thought he was going to be going to Florida regardless. I don't know, but they got one commitment yesterday. Wasn't a very eventful day for Alabama, but the class overall just looks fantastic.
0: It really does, Uh, and I uh, I am more excited, Clint, about the Alabama group Today than I've been at any point. I mean, uh, I, the the more I dive deeper into it, and and, and it's hard, hard to believe I can get any deeper into it, but I, I'm I'm really excited about this group, and and one for a bunch of reasons. But the number one reason is always don't look necessarily just at the top. I mean, the headliners are fun, you know, the really biggest names, the the big the the kids that are a big deal, the Jeremiah Alexanders, the Ty Simpsons. Of course, I'm not ignoring that. I'm just saying that while I love the class is the bottom of it. And by mean by the bottom, I'm talking about the least hyped guys in the group. I'm excited about them. Most of them. There's hardly anyone in this group. And I'm being totally honest when I say I I don't want to throw back any of these fish. I mean, these fish are all in the cooler. I'm not looking through to to, to call any of them out. I mean, I I, I like I'll, I'll give you a few names. Jake Pope. Uh, uh, you know, he's probably one of the more lesser hyped guys. I think he can be a multi-year starter at Alabama. Uh, even Dane Shore, who I find very interesting. He, he hardly played in his whole, whole high school career due to injury and then being determined to be ineligible this previous season. He he's barely played high school football at all, yet he's got offers from all these schools and he goes to Alabama's camp. And the first days there, they watch him play for a little while and they're like, we want this guy. Yep. So Uh, I I mean, that's exciting, uh, you know, about him. Uh, Danny Lewis, who we we got just yesterday, real athletic kid, plays basketball, plays power forward, plays point guard uh, on on his basketball team at 6'5", 250 pounds. Uh, I I think he's a lot like Cam Latu, uh, meaning that here's a block first guy with a big body who, who, who leads the SEC and, and touchdown catches for tight ends. Uh, and I'm, I think Danny Lewis can be exactly that type of guy, a block first guy who's going to uh, also catch a lot of big balls. Now, he won't be a stretch the field guy. We got other tight ends that potentially could stretch the field. But what what you also need is a guy who can set the edge. And when you're like, oh, yeah, don't worry about that guy. He's just a blocker. And, 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 you, and you don't commit an athlete to covering the guy. He will make you pay. Uh, that that's a great weapon to have. So, I think there's there's really good players up and down the list. I know A and class is ranked number one. Good for them. That's great. Uh, Alabama's number one all the time, uh, and, and, and 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 right now we're number two. And but hey, this is a good group. And if you sign the number two class, this is how recruiting works. You sign the number two class year after year after year after year. Uh, you're probably number one on the field. I mean, you you, you have an extremely talented roster if you're signing the second-best group every year. But uh, I get the feeling uh, Alabama's days finishing number one uh, in recruiting haven't ended either.
1: Right. I I think it could go, you know, I think it's more competitive now. You know, I don't think you're going to see them go six, seven years in a row with number one classes. But I, I completely agree. I think that as long as you're up there, you know, you're going to be extremely competitive. And the good part about Nick Saban is that he does a great job of developing these guys. You know, some of these coaches are bringing in these recruiting classes and they do a, a great job of recruiting, but the developmental side is not where it needs to be. And so they aren't as competitive as Alabama. You've got great recruiting and you've got great development. And I think that's pretty important. You know, speaking of Jimbo Fisher, I, look, let going, go ahead and get this out of the way because I've been hammering him on Twitter and I'm going to continue to hammer him on Twitter. Uh, Anybody that thinks that I'm done with my Jimbo Fisher uh, shots, no, I still got some in the the quiver ready to go. Uh, Because, and, And I have no issue with them utilizing the NIL. They got that Texas money. I'm completely fine with it because it's legal. What I take offense to is that you think we're dumb enough to believe that this is just good old-fashioned roll up your sleeves hard work the nil had nothing to do with this class and anybody that insinuates otherwise you can come talk to me you can come see me i have no problem coming to see you uh because it, I, i'm not buying it i'll tell you that right now I, I, i'm just not and this that's not me like i said i'm totally fine i'm not out here saying you're cheating or that you're doing anything you're not supposed to i'm just saying that just all of a sudden that these kids, and he's like, Texas a and is by far the best place to come play. I mean, did you check out, you know, our games and all this, or, you know, uh, the crowd and all that stuff? Give me a break. I mean, are you telling me all of a sudden in the year that NIL actually became a thing during that summer, all of a sudden all these recruits started looking at A&M and being like, oh, now we see the light. This is the perfect place to come. But all those classes before, all those kids, you know, just didn't see it. I mean, get out of here with that. I mean, and when and if it would have been them finishing number one and them having a really strong class, it's like, yeah, it's A&M. They're doing a and gr- They're doing a good job. They're building some continuity there. They did regress. and That's another thing. The, they went from being a one-loss team who, in my opinion, probably should have sh- been a playoff-worthy team in 2020 to finishing 8-4. and four, You showed regression on the field, and yet recruits are all of a sudden saying, no, that's definitely where we want to go. This wasn't Nick Saban, Alabama, where it start off at 7-6, and six, then go 10-2, and two, then you win a national championship, and then really things started really getting rolling after they won their second one in 2011. And recruits are figuring out this this program is here to stay. They're not just going to win one championship and then they're done. And then you started seeing top class after top class. But a A&M is regressing on the field, and all these players are like, no, that's definitely where we want to go. I mean, just I'm totally fine with what they're doing, but just be honest about it and be upfront. And I understand that it's kind of offensive because essentially people are saying that, Jimbo, this isn't really you. You're not really that good of a recruiter. It's because you got a lot of money backing you. And to him, he wants to think of it as, no, I'm just that good. And I, I mean, so I understand it, uh, why we get a little defensive, but I'm just, I'm telling you, I'm not buying it anyways, I'm not going to harp on that for 30 minutes, even though I could just understand that the <laughs> shots towards him, just cause he's now ticked me off by trying to claim that if he had even said that, Hey, this had a lot more to do with, you know, our hard work, but he at least acknowledged that NIL plays a part. Then I would have been like, okay, uh, I think NIL plays a much bigger role, but I get it. But he's like he's acting like it didn't have anything to do with it. Give me a break. Anyways, what we're gonna do is we're gonna be breaking down the signing class for Alabama, and we're gonna be doing it an offense and defense. And I, you know what? I started. You know, before we talked about you know going down the list, I said we go up the list and reveal okay. our bottom ranked guys, um, which they're all good, like you said. So when I say bottom ranked. That doesn't mean that we. Don't like the guys. It's just we're going to talk about power rankings and where we think these recruits in our minds, not just on three, not just the on three consensus, but just maybe from impact from guys that you like, why you like them, all that stuff. So, Jimmy, why don't you go ahead and get started with what should be your number 16 guy? Am I correct in that?
0: On offense? Yes. On offense or overall? I mean, it's uh, up to you. On <laughs> offense.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll break offense? it up and we'll do defense tomorrow.
0: Oh, perfect. Okay. Yeah, on offense uh you know uh, and we're, we're include by the way for for people listening we're including the portal guys we're, yes. we're including we're including the three guys they signed out of the portal so so that that means we have 16 total on offense and uh yeah I, I put at the bottom and, and uh and all these guys need to do uh it's it's not an somebody's got to be on the bottom right I mean somebody has to be uh, I have elijah Brown down there and part of the re a couple of reasons number one I one of the things I'm looking for is impact, you know, a guy that's going to show up and really impact the roster. I think he's an excellent redshirt candidate. And by that, I mean, he's a block first tight end block first tight ends have to be big and physical and strong and, and mature. And I think it's the the rare high school tight end that shows up ready to seal the edge and effectively get an sec front seven blocked. So he's being a block first tight end in my mind, I think Elijah Brown's likely headed for a redshirt, sort of a developmental uh, prospect until he's ready to uh, physically take on SEC front seven. So I have him at 16, but, uh, but I do think he's a, a quality prospect and that uh, he, he likely does have some future at Alabama.
1: I actually had Elijah Brown at 14. So I had him ranked just a little bit higher, but I completely understand where you're coming from. I actually had Dane shore there at number Good. 16, which is also understandable just based off of rankings, but It's not that I don't like this guy, first of all. Uh, I do like him. I mean, 6'5", 326 pounds, missed his entire junior season with a shoulder injury. Like you said, spent a lot of his high school career just banged up and not able to play. And think that, you know, when you look at Alabama and their ability to identify lowly rated offense, not super lowly rated, but compared to, you know, the five stars they're bringing in and their high four stars, the Elijah Pritchett's, the Tyler Booker's, you know, Nick Saban, typically in a lot of these classes, he identifies those guys who are lower rated, but he feels like can come in and help. And in a lot of cases, he ends up being correct. You know, Matt Womack ended up being the starting right tackle for an entire season. Was he great? I think he could have been better, but, you know, he was a contributor. Uh, Seth McLaughlin was a three-star guy. Another very, you know, I want to say he was the lowest rated player in his particular class, very much like Dane Shore has come in, has provided some stability at center. He's going to be involved in that competition with Darian Dalcourt and I wouldn't be shocked at all if he ended up starting. Chance Warmack was another one from way back in the day. Comes in, three-star prospect, ends up being a multi-year starter, ends up being a top-ten pick. So I think that Dane Shore is the perfect kind of developmental type of player. I'm not sure that he has the athleticism that's going to be required to stay out and play in space at tackle. It's possible that he ends up playing tackle, but you know, I didn't think that Matt Womack had that ability really either. But he ended up being the starting right tackle for for at least a season and then ended up playing some guard tackle. I can see Dane Shore being something similar where he has some guard tackle versatility, but really the ideal spot would probably be inside, despite the fact that he's 6'5". I mean, he's got some length to him, but I just don't know that he has the athleticism right now to match. But speaking of Elijah Brown, I'll go ahead and knock him out too before we move on to year number 15. I like where he's at. I like the kind of talent that he brings to the table, but being 6'5", 230, 235 pounds, and being the style of player that he is, which is more of an inline blocking tight end, you know, if he was coming in at 255 or 260, like Robbie Utes did last year, then I would say, okay, maybe physically he's ready to go ahead and make that transition, but he's more of an inline blocker, you know, really not going to be split out wide a ton, even though he provides some ability in that area, not saying that he won't be at all, but just don't think it'll be often. I think I completely agree. I think he's more of a developmental red shirt guy allow him to get bigger, stronger, and then eventually become a very good, you know, or potentially very good inline tight end for, for Alabama. So who do you have ranked at number 15?
0: I have I Dane Shore at 15 and, and agree with all that you said. I, I think also he's going to be an interior lineman, most likely a garter or a center. Uh, I, I, and, and I think center might be a good spot for him. Uh, and, and we'll see, just a, a developmental guy. Uh so I so I had him at fifteen. Uh, we, we talk about the next guy just way I can got to next for for me at uh 14. Uh I have Danny Lewis, who, who Alabama signed yesterday. Um, and you know, a three star type late bloomer. Here's a guy that uh after his freshman, sophomore, and junior year, he commits to Cincinnati uh as being his best offer. And Cincinnati's very good, by the way, at finding sleepers that prove to be really good players. That's why they were in the off against the big boys because they evaluate talent really well and and find guys that that they can sign that it, that end up being as good as everybody else's fours and fives and 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 Lewis was a guy they found but when SEC interest picked up he decommitted uh he's a guy that's a little like Elijah Brown in the sense that he's a bigger bodied kid that I think is primarily uh, an inline you know guy that's gonna gonna play the wide spot. But he does have, in my mind, more athletic ability than Elijah Brown, uh, and he'll be a bigger threat as a pass catcher, which is why I rate him a little bit above Elijah. Uh, But in the end, I I still think Danny, a little bit developmental, probably won't show up uh, and get first-team snaps um, as a freshman. I think he's a little little more developmental than that. And uh, even though I I have him at 14, I I do think he's a solid – SEC prospect, and we'll see Danny Lewis on the field at some point.
1: Yeah, I like him uh, too. And and I agree with your assessment. You know, I think that on three has him listed at like 6'5, like 220 pounds. He's much bigger than 220 pounds now. Yeah, I want to say he's probably in that 240, 250, you know, 255 range, which is what you want because I agree with you. I think he's more of an inline blocker. It's, you know, a a big reason. I think long term, I like Elijah Brown a little bit more, even though these two guys are neck and neck. Really, it probably should have been 14A and 14B. Because I can see why Alabama went ahead and signed both of them and targeted both of them. A, you know, with Cameron Latou being a guy who's uh, going to be a, a, a redshirt senior, he's going into his last year more than likely, bring some balance to the table, can block, can catch. I think he's a little bit better as far as run after the catch than some of these other guys, like a Danny Lewis or an Elijah Brown, even though he's not dynamic in that area. He just, <clears throat> for whatever reason, can turn catches into, you know, chunks uh, yardage like he did in the national championship. But it's like I said, I like Danny Lewis. He's more of an inline tight end. He can create mismatches in the passing game. He can be a big target over the middle of the field. He's not going to create a lot of separation and a lot of, you know, yards after contact, like I said, but he's good in situations where he's got a, or he's in contested catch situations where he can box guys out and really show his physicality and his size and, and all that stuff. And he's going to be a strong blocker. He's got a great frame for it. And so I think he's ultimately great developmental tight end, for Alabama to work with moving forward and I think between him and Elijah Brown one of those two guys uh, is going to emerge and be a very solid tight end whether it be as a number two guy we, you know with a dynamic guy like Amari Nablack black being the complimentary pass catching option or you know it's you know one of them developing into like a Cameron Latou going to be your headline guy and it can be a balanced player uh so Jimmy who you got at number 13.
0: 13, uh, now this is where it gets I, – I think it starts getting really controversial at this point because we signed so many good players. I think there's going to be a wide variance of opinion from this point forward, which I totally expect and invite because we just signed a, a lot of good players. What happens when you sign the second-best group in the country? I have Emmanuel Henderson at 13. Uh, that's going to be lower than a lot of people, and it's not because my opinion of Emmanuel is lower than everyone else's. It's really not. I just have a couple of doubts about how impactful he'll be for a couple of reasons. Number one, it is a it is a crowded running back room, Uh, and there's there's six six guys right now scheduled to be in the running back room this fall. Six, and assuming everyone stays healthy, and we know that's not likely the case, but assuming everyone stays healthy, I would put Emmanuel at sixth in the running back room this fall. Uh, He's a true freshman; he's got to learn it. He's coming from small school country football and I, one of the reasons i put him down there at 13 clint is i've been wrong so many times in my career or some, if you want to call it that my my career of evaluating high school players i've been wrong so many times when i overestimated a kid coming from 2a or 3a ball uh being a a, a great player at the sec level so emmanuel's sort of paying for the sins of others in terms of why i have him down there uh but I do think he's a good prospect, uh, and, and I do think uh, I'm not going to be surprised at all if he lives up to his, quote, five-star standing. I, I won't be surprised at all. Uh, I would also throw in the uh, this. I also think there's a possibility he will play uh, safety at Alabama down the road. I, I think day one, he's in the running back room, and he may stick there and be great. Uh, he, he could also end up being moved to safety. But, hey, so, so I, you know, i got to rank him in some order. I, I have a manual at 13.
1: I don't disagree with that. I have Emmanuel at 12, uh, so I don't have him too far ahead of you. I have Kendrick Law at 13. You know, it's very tough. There's so many of these pass-catching options, these receivers that Album signed. It's it's very, I mean, you could ask five different people, and they're probably going to have five different rankings of the receivers that they're bringing in. But w- as far as Emmanuel Henderson at 12, I'll go ahead and talk about him because I agree. You know, when you watch him, and I really liked, you know, the on three Charles Power did a comparison, uh, play NFL player comparisons for the top 100 players. And so that included a lot of these Alabama guys. And, and the one that he used was Kirion Johnson. And it's a guy that I didn't really think about at the time until I saw it. And then I was like, I actually really agree with that. Kirion coming out of Madison Academy, he had some positional, you know, which side of the football is he going to end up on? Kind of had a balanced approach. I, I never felt like Kirion looked super athletic. You know, he, he certainly was very productive, but when you watched him run and stuff, very patient, kind of. I guess that's the best way to put it. Just very patient runner. You know, he let things set up in front of him and he ended up being a very good player. And Emmanuel Henderson definitely can too. Um, I just don't see like this super dynamic athlete that's, you know, doing a lot of things for you on tape, but it's like, he just produces. And, and if he can continue to just be that guy, when he gets to Alabama, I definitely think he's going to be a good player and he's going to contribute to that running back room. But it's like you said, and we got to continue to reiterate this until we actually start getting into the, some of the higher ranks, but, somebody's got to go down here and I don't think there's any good choices to go down here because all of them should be you know in the top 10 in the top eight top six but uh with with Kendrick Law good player you know 5'11 185 pounds kind of you know I think you can line him up in the backfield some I think you could split him out wide he's a very interesting player and I can't exactly you know Alabama's going to have to know how to use him which they've done a pretty good job of utilizing players who have that kind of versatility you know we saw Jalen Waddell Lining up in the backfield sometimes and doing some different things with him. But I also think that Jalen Waddle is a much more explosive athlete. Not that I don't think that Law is an athlete, but there's a reason Jalen Waddle went number six overall to the Miami Dolphins, even though he was that same kind of similar, actually a little bit smaller than Kendrick Law, but it's because just incredible athlete, incredible as far as just his ability to know how to make guys miss and things like that. So I like Kendrick Law at 13, but, you know, I still think he could end up being a pretty good player. So Jimmy, who you got at number 12?
0: Uh, I have Kobe Prentice at 12, uh, real quickly to talk about Kendrick Law. Uh and I have him higher than you, uh, uh higher than you do, uh agree with, with all that you said. And and again, you gotta rank these kids somewhere. And and, and it's such a good group. The, when I think about Kendrick, I think about Alabama has signed a lot of wide receivers in this group that are track stars, and, and Kendrick's one of them. I mean, these guys have incredible hundred. Or track times they're track stars. And to me, it's kind of like, okay, you put Kobe, Kendrick, Aaron Anderson, and Isaiah bond, uh, those four in particular, they're tr- all four of them are track stars with great speed. So which one's going to be the best football player of the four track guys for lack of a better term. And, and in my mind, Kendrick law may prove to be the best because there is some toughness that he shows on tape, I, 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 in him, I see a football player who happens to be really good at track. Um, I have Kobe Prentice at 12, and again, he's in that same group. I have him the lowest of the trap guys or the wide receiver group, mostly again, because he's not playing at a 7A type program in Birmingham against, you know, and not playing against Hoover, Spain Park and, and Thompson every week. Uh, so I have him a little lower. He's also very light. Uh, We list him at 171, so there's a – he lists himself at 171, so there's a really good chance he's actually in the 160s. Uh, So he's not the biggest guy. Of course, neither was Devontae Smith. I I love Kobe Prentice as a a run-to-daylight guy, as a big-time playmaker, and I like him a lot as a prospect. I just rate him uh, the lowest of what is, in my mind, a stellar wide receiver group.
1: And this is exactly what I'm talking about. You have Kendrick Law, much higher. I have Prentice ranked a lot higher and that's totally fine because we, i mean alabama signed all these guys who knows who's going to emerge i mean it's kind of like the jerry judy divine Now, granted all of them ended up emerging in that class i mean <laughs> outside of Tyrell right. shavers and they all ended up being kind of neck and neck and that's very well what could end up happening here but it would be the same situation as if we were having this conversation back in 2017 talking about that receiver class that alabama was bringing in you know you might have Devontae smith listed ahead of you know, Jerry Judy and, and Henry Ruggs. I might have Henry Ruggs, you know, because of his just pure speed. I might have him listed ahead of him. I mean, NFL evaluators had the same decision to make, you know, with Jerry Judy and, and Henry Ruggs, at least, when they were coming out, and then Jalen Waddell and, and Devontae Smith. I mean, the, the, it's a debate, and I don't think, you know, if it would have been a different team up there at number six other than the Miami Dolphins, some of those teams might have, you know, valued Devontae Smith more and taking him ahead. Uh, so I think it's really a toss-up. For me at number 11, though, I have another receiver, Shaz Preston, and and I like Shaz. You know, he's not a big-body guy. You know, he's only 5'11", 190 pounds, but he's good in high-point situations, can go up and win 50-50 balls, which I think is something that you should always note with guys who are only 5'11", and and are, are sub-200 pounds. I don't think that he has elite top-end speed, but he's definitely, you know, good and fast enough with his speed. He can still win vertically, and we can really win at all three levels of the field, even though that I don't think he has necessarily the same vertical speed that some of these other receivers have. Don't think that means that he's going to be a short to intermediate guy only. You know, it's kind of maybe similar to John Mechie in that way where John Mechie yeah. doesn't have Jamison Williams vertical speed. But if he, if you don't think he can't win vertically, then you didn't watch the 2020 season because he can certainly do that. Good at tracking, you know, the deep balls. And he's got the, you know, great vision when he's trying to tr- uh, turn out yardage after the catch. So I like him as a player. You know, he, he did rank outside of my top 10, but, I mean, there's a reason. Now, granted, the consensus rankings have him all the way up there in the top 50 and number 46 overall. That has a lot to do with ESPN rating him as a five-star player. On three has him rated as the number 135 overall player, and I'm a lot more towards the on three ranking than I am the consensus ranking, but that does not mean I don't think he's a good player. I just uh, I think that Alabama got a solid receiver who's going to be able to win at all three levels of the field and, and be a productive player before his career is out. I'm just not as quite as high on Preston as I am some of these other guys, but they're all right there in the same mix. So who do you got at number 11, Jimmy?
0: Uh, I have Elijah Pritchett at 11, uh, switching gears a little bit. I'll, I'll talk about Preston for a few seconds, uh, with everything he, he, he stands out to me because he's different than the other four. We you know we signed yeah. five high score receivers. Four of them are really similar dudes, Prentice, Bond, Anderson. Uh, you know, the, the, these, these are all guys, um, uh, you know that 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 can run that they're you know what I call the track guys uh, because they're they're all Kendrick Law too uh, just great speed. Preston to me is more of a technician. He's more of a typical. Uh, he's more of a typical uh, wide receiver prospect in the sense that I, I don't think he's slow. I just think he's a typical SEC. Where he runs like a typical SEC wide receiver, which is really good, and I like the Mechie comparison. Clint, I think that's pretty brilliant when it comes to Shaz because that, that's exactly as I see him, a possession receiver that moves the chains. But if you think for one second he can't – I hope the other teams don't respect his vertical ability because I think he's going to burn them. I think he will burn them when, when he when he doesn't. Um, so uh, I, I like Shaz Preston a lot. I do think – here's one thing, even though he's not as fast as the other guys, he might be more ready to play. Mm-hmm. day one he might be ready to play uh because he does have a little more size and again he just sort of looks like a natural wide receiver like he just kind of fell out of the womb playing wide receiver to me i mean he, he, this is just his spot but 11 i have elijah pritchett which uh changes gears a little bit you know he's a, a big offensive lineman uh great uh nfl type upside in the sense of he's got the nfl frame the nfl feet uh, he plays with a a, a a fun mentality to me. He's not a technician. He's a dominator. He's he's very physical. He, you can tell watching him play offensive line that uh, uh, the defensive line coaches on his high school team cried themselves to sleep every night that he didn't play on that side of the ball just simply because in high school he would be a very good defensive lineman too uh, because he, he has that level of athleticism. But you know, most offensive linemen, redshirt. I would imagine Pritchett's going to redshirt so we can learn to play at this level. Uh, but I, I'm excited about Elijah Pritchett's, Pritchett's long-term uh, long-term upside.
1: Yeah, and I like Pritchett as well. I got him ranked a little bit higher, uh, and I'll probably just talk about him once we get up there. But I, I completely agree with your assessment. I think that that's correct. And, I mean, it is wild how – these players who were would be like the number one, number two, number three player in their class. In a lot of schools, classes are sitting down there at number eleven. Shaz Preston, it, it, you know what? As I was ranking these guys, I'm like, he has no business being out of my top ten. But then you start looking at all the other players. And I'm like, who are you gonna take out? I mean, you like all of them. So it, it, someone's got to go out there. We'll continue to reiterate that number ten for me, Jamarian Miller, and and I like him more than I like Emmanuel Henderson, even though I like Henderson. To me, you know, when you look at at Jamarian Miller's size, 5'10, 195 pounds, it would not indicate a a true three down running back, but he has that ability. You know, I saw the comp that that on three made to J.K. Dobbins. If you're anybody that's familiar with college football and you know J.K. Dobbins, I think that's the perfect comp because this is a guy who can, you know, he's very versatile. You can do some things. You can line him up in the backfield, obviously. You know, he's going to be playing running back, but I think you can also split him out wide. I think he can return kicks. He's got true home run speed, but at the same time, just because he has that home run speed, it doesn't mean he's like a, a, an outside guy only, you know, he can bang between the tackles. And when you looked at JK Dobbins, one of the big things about his game that I always found fascinating was that, you know, he was an undersized guy. And when you look at him, I mean, first of all, looking at him, the way he was built, you would have thought he was a lot bigger than, you know, 200, you know, 205 pounds, I think by the end of it in that area, I would have thought he was a 215, 220 type uh, of player just because of his ability to bang between the tackles. And when you looked at him, and then I, you look him up on the roster and he's down there, you know, 195, 200, 205 pounds. And and it would just, I remember thinking that blows me away. But he's also a really good receiver out of the backfield. Jamarian Miller is, so was J.K. Dobbins. I like both of, you know, the, the running backs that Alabama's bringing in. Well, I guess all three, uh, if you include the transfer portal. But, you know, at the same time, I think I like Jamarian Miller just a little bit more because I think he's a true three down guy who is very, you know, I don't think he's going to wow anybody necessarily from a, you know, physical standpoint. You know, he's not going to be a a first guy off the bus type of player, but he's going to be very productive. And the fact that he can, you know, win with speed and be able to bang between the tackles, very special player. So, Jimmy, who you got at number 10?
0: Uh, I have Aaron Anderson at 10. Um. And, and Jameer and Miller a couple spots ahead, uh, I'll talk about about Miller real quickly because you just didn't agree, I'm just reiterating what you said. Uh, I do like Miller more than Henderson. I do think he's an every down back uh, of all of his great traits. I like the fact that he catches the ball, uh, which, which is very important to Nick Saban in the offense, that you have a back who, who will catch the ball out of the backfield, and I think Miller excels at that. Uh, even though he's a, a fast guy himself, I think he's got some ability between the tackles. And frankly, uh, although I love that J.K. Dobbins uh, cop, because I, I think it is it is uh, very very accurate, uh, An even Bam, Bama cop to me that's similar is Jace McClellan. I, I think Miller is a lot like Jace McClellan, which is a good thing, because uh, we saw you know, this past season before he got hurt, McClellan's a good player. So uh, I have... have Uh, Miller even at at eight but at 10 I have Aaron Anderson wide receiver from Edna Carr New Orleans fast 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 uh punt returner uh I think he shows outstanding punt return skills in his high school tape uh I heard uh uh there was there was a game in the playoffs uh I heard that on he uh, of his first uh six times he touched the ball he scored five touchdowns and, I mean, this is, this is inner city uh, good athletes in New Orleans he's playing against. I mean, this, this guy's playing against athletes every Friday, and, and, and it's fast, fast, fast. Uh, it's just a matter of Aaron. Uh, I mean, Aaron Anderson is going to run like rugs. Uh, I, I mean, so it's just a matter of, you know, how long will it take for him to develop into an SEC football player? Because that speed is for real.
1: Yeah, I, re- I love Anderson, and you'll I think that'll be reflected when I reveal where I have him ranked at. Man, you know what? I'll go ahead and, and at least talk about him, and then I'll reveal where his ranking at, is at later. Uh, I completely agree. The speed, to me, stands out on tape, and, and he's got a good frame. I understand that he's only like 5'8 or 5'9, and he only weighs you know, 185, 190, somewhere in there, but he plays a lot more physical than that size would indicate. Uh, the, the comp, the on three comp that was made for him was Elijah Moore, the former Ole Miss receiver. I love that because he wasn't an overly big guy, but when you looked at him, he looked like he was just built well, kind of in the, in a very similar fashion to Jalen Waddell. And I, so I guess I kind of like Jalen Waddle as well, but very dynamic presence in the open field, a big play threat every time he touches the football. He's got great hands. He's going to be a great option in the return game. I'm a big fan of Aaron Anderson, and I think he can really help this Alabama offense because of his ability to not only win on the short to intermediate stuff, kind of like Shaz Preston, he's got that top-end speed. And I think whatever Alabama is looking for this year, you know, when you look at their receivers, Ja'Cory Brooks is the big-body guy. Treshawn Holden, short to intermediate routes. You know, JoJo Earl, very explosive player, quick twitch athlete, but he's going to be more of a slot player, Um, you know, short to intermediate stuff. You send him vertically a little bit, but not too much. I think Alabama is going to be searching for those guys who can be true vertical threats. And that's where a guy like I think Aaron Anderson can really get into the mix. But, you know, the guy that I have at number nine, speaking of that, is Isaiah Bond. You know, he could end up being a Travon Diggs type, uh, Trayvon Diggs, where he goes to, you know, wide receiver to corner. The only problem with that is that he's only, you know, like 5'10", 5'11", and weighs like 175 pounds. I don't think he quite has that length or that prototypical length that Alabama looks for at corner. So I think he ends up probably sticking at receiver. I'm just saying that, you know, coming out there for a while on three, had him listed as an athlete. They went ahead and switched that to a receiver because I think that's where he's going to play. And I think he's going to do well there. Plenty of speed. He can create separation downfield. He's a true vertical threat. But he's still working on, like, the nuances of the position. He's still working on his route running. You know, his hands are a little bit inconsistent. They're not terrible by any means, but just compared to, you know, some of the other guys in this class – I think that's an area he will continue to work on, but he is going to be one of those vertical threats in Alabama's offense eventually. And if that's what Alabama needs him to do and they limit his, the routes that he runs and really just sends him vertically a lot, then I could see him, you know, getting on the field fairly early for Alabama. I just think that it's kind of like an Ajayi Hall type of situation where it's like, dude, when this guy makes plays, he can make a lot of great plays, but you have to be able to do all the little things well and have the nuances of the position mastered before the, coaching staff is willing to trust you getting on the field consistently and with Isaiah Bond I just think he has a little bit more work to do in that area but going to be a great player in Alabama's offense so Jimmy who you got ranked at number nine
0: uh number nine I have Kendrick Law and we've already covered Law so I got him a little a little little higher than you and and at eight I have Jamari Miller and we've already we've already uh covered Miller so in, in terms of uh, you know, next for me, and you're just talking about him is seven uh, for, for me, I have Isaiah, Isaiah Bond at seven. Um, I, Bond is a guy I liked a lot the day we got him and I like him even more now. I mean, I'm, I'm, Bond is one of the guys growing on me big time. That speed is crazy fast. I mean, all of these guys are fast because that was the the goal in the wide receiver room was to improve the speed and Bond is the fastest of the fast guys. Uh, what This is what I'm curious about, Clint, as crazy as this sounds in the Nick Saban era, because we have had some burners. I'm wondering if Bond might be the fastest guy we've signed under Saban. I mean, I, I think he may prove to be the fastest player of the Nick Saban era, which is sort of like saying, I think this guy might be the best hockey player in Canada. I mean I mean, you know, to 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 say you're the fastest guy of the Saban era is a freaking mouthful, but that's how fast Bond is. If he develops football SEC football skills, good luck, everybody.
1: Yeah, you can't teach speed, you know. Um, and and one of the things I think really helped Henry Ruggs, and it's one of the areas that I think kind of separates him from a guy like Isaiah Bond early is he did, he was a little bit further along as far as his route running. And he did show a little bit more sure hands than Isaiah Bond did. But with that being said, you can't teach that speed, man. And when you have that ability, you know, to take a quick slant, and you know, and, and just outrun guys to the end zone, split the safeties and, and turn a, a, a quick slant on the first play of a drive on the 25-yard line into a 75-yard touchdown – That's the kind of thing that Isaiah Bond can do for you on the really the quick passing game, and then he can win vertically and and have some explosive plays downfield, kind of like Jamison Williams provided Alabama's offense, and having that ability, being able to stretch the field vertically and really threaten defenses. You open up so much for the short to intermediate passing game. You open up so much more for the run game because defenses have to respect it. And when Alabama lost Jamison Williams in the national championship game, that was a huge factor in how Georgia's defense was able to play Alabama's offense. They were able to play up really short in the field for Alabama. They didn't feel like that there was a guy who was going to be able to test them and beat them deep that they had to always be aware of. And that proved to be true. So having that kind of player like Isaiah Bond is very important. Uh, for me at number eight, I have Kobe Prentice, you know, so I'm a little bit higher on him than you are, which is totally fine. There are, these guys are all right here in the same range. Uh, but with when I watch him play, very smooth player. He's a lot of fun to watch. You know, he excels when creating yardage after the catch, which I think is great for like Alabama's RPO game. Uh, that's what you saw with a lot of these Alabama receivers. The the Jerry Judys of the world, the Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, Henry Ruggs when they ran that kind of RPO style of stuff with with Tua Voloa and some of them with with Mac Jones even though they didn't run the RPO as much you know these guys catch the ball on on a quick slant or some kind of screen and it is you just allow them to go out there and make plays and I think Kobe Prentice provides that ability yet again you know all these players I remember didn't sign a big receiver at all I think the biggest receiver was Shaz Preston like 511 190. Kobe Prentice is 510 175 so very lean not a heavy player at all but i think that he's already gotten a lot of the the nuances of the position figured out. He's not perfect. He, you know, he's not an elite route runner at this point in his career or anything like that, but i really like what he's going to be able to provide Alabama's offense. Uh down the road number 7 for me was uh, Elijah Pritchett, which by the way, did you have a number 8 that we didn't cover yet?
0: No, no, we got uh, my 8 was Jamari Miller Jamari Miller. So uh so we covered him.
1: Okay. Uh number 7 for me was Elijah Pritchett who you already talked about and mm-hmm. I know that he was listed at 6'6", 280 on three, now has him listed at 306. And from the last time that I kind of saw him, he's definitely gained some weight. I think that they're correct in that 300-plus pound assessment. And that, to me, you know, when you look at 6'6", 280, you think more of a a fine-ass guy, not really a power guy. That is not Elijah Pritchett at all. He is a power player. He's got good athleticism, and he can work to the second level well, and all those things he's got great hand placement very good usage with his hands and pass protection but he's more of a power player plays with great leverage for a guy who's six six by the way And, and i wouldn't be surprised if he got to alabama and they listed him at six five maybe that that height's a little bit fudge but he's definitely got some length six five six six and i think he does a great job playing as far as playing power so jimmy number six for you i guess
0: Yeah, I got up number six, and uh, this I would say of uh, you know in terms of like where there was disagreement, which is always the fun part. Where there's disagreement in our list, I mean, you had Pritchett, you know, about five spots higher than me, and and, and I've got Shaz Preston about five spots higher than you. I think those two are the ones that we we had the 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 furthest disagreement on. It looks like about our top five is going to be about identical, Uh, but uh, yeah, I had Shaz Preston at six, and and, and what I like about Shaz the most is we're going to have to spend time developing those track dudes into football players. Now, I I think they're all natural football players. And I think at least one of the four is just going to prove to be ready. But Shaz, I I think he's just sort of an SEC receiver playing high school football. I mean, I think he has a very natural ability in terms of Everything that a wide receiver needs—he's not short, he's not slow. He has superb hands. He knows how to get open. He makes the contested catch, which is huge. That's going to be what these these fast, smaller guys need to learn to do—is fight for a football. They've never had to fight for a football in their lives. They've been wide open since they were in the second grade because <laughs> no one can run with them, you know. But Shaz Preston makes the contested catch, and I think he's just going to be ready to play.
1: I got Aaron Anderson at number six. Uh, so we've, I've already talked about him. Now we get into the top five and we'll kind of have to run through it quickly, but I got Ty Simpson sitting there at number five. And I think that he's got a great, you know, long-term future at Alabama. He's got a strong arm. He can make every throw with velocity that you're going to ask him to make. He's great at improvising. People talk about the backyard football ability that he's got. He can win with his legs. I think he rushed for, I want to say like over a thousand yards as a senior, uh, not an overly big guy but definitely has the arm definitely has the athleticism think he's going to fit really well in this new age of offense that college football has and, and can do a lot of different things for you so I really like him at number 5 Jimmy who you got sitting up there
0: I have Amari Nablack at 5 and, and Tie at 2 you know if I had to do the list again I, I might be more agreeable with you on putting Tie at 5 just in in this sense I I Barring injury to Bryce, I don't think we're going to see a lot of Ty this fall. So I probably shouldn't have a guy we're not going to see a lot of this fall at number two. But the reason I did rank him at two is I think what what I'd project for Ty is we've had this amazing quarterback lineage that pretty much started with Jalen Hurts, who was a second-round pick and finished number two in the Heisman race, uh, starting with him uh, of Jalen and two uh, – and Mac Jones and now Bryce Young winning a Heisman Trophy four in a row. I think Ty makes it five in a row that we just have our fifth just generational quarterback in a row of a guy that's going to do things like compete for a Heisman Trophy, win national championships, and be a high draft pick in the NFL. To me, Ty is it, going to be the next one in that line, and that's and, and, and a quarterback just means everything to, to a football team – in, in modern football. So I, I had him at, at, at two. Uh but in the black I have at five. Um unusual, freakish talent uh for a guy that's going to spend his time in the tight end room. He's really more of a true wide receiver. Uh he is a mismatch nightmare. He's going to be big enough that we can line him up at wide. And I think he will line up at the Y many times, but not because he's going to put an outside linebacker on his butt. We're going to line him up at the Y because we're going to force other teams to try to cover him with a linebacker. Uh, or, or, or we're, we're just – with Knobloch, um, I, I think you use – you know, he's a move tight end. I mean, yeah, he, he's in the tight end room, and our tight end coach is going to be his coach. But play to play, he could line up in the backfield. He can line up at H. He can line up split out wide. He could line up in the slot. He could line up at the Y. It's constantly moving him around to, to create a mismatch which which is just invaluable. Uh, I think we thought we had a kid like that in Billingsley. Uh, and it just didn't work out for him primarily off the field, but uh, I think Amari Nablack could be what we thought we might have had in Billingsley.
1: Amari Nablack checks in at number 4 for me and I completely agree with everything you say. When Nick Saban talked about guys you know the the what having a mismatch problem at tight end can do for your offense. The guys that he was was thinking of was the Amari and the Blacks of the world because that's exactly what he's going to be able to do. Being 6'4", 220 pounds, probably going to get up there in that 225, 230-pound range at Alabama early on in his career and then maybe get a little bit bigger than that down the road. But that's exactly what he does. I mean, when you try to cover him, you know, when you try to match his size, you're not going to be able to match the athleticism in a lot of cases. When you try to match the athleticism, you're not going to be able to match the size it's what makes these tight ends so dangerous. And Cameron Latou can do that a little bit, but he didn't have the pure athleticism that a guy like Amari Nablack has. So I love what uh, Nablack brings to the table. Number three for me, I have, which, by the way, did you reveal your number four?
0: I didn't. uh, I I didn't. But but, uh, number four for me is Jermaine Burton. Sounds like he may be three for you. Uh, A little little higher than that. Even a little higher. Well, Burton is wide receiver one. I mean, he's going to show up and be a uh, first-team wide receiver uh, this fall. I believe that. I believe he will be Alabama's leading receiver in terms of the amount of balls he will catch. Um, The the, the quick thing I'll say about him is everyone compares Jermaine Burton to Mechie and that he's going to fill the Mechie role. I agree. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with that at all. He is going to fill the Mechie role. He's because he's going to catch the most balls and convert the most first downs of anyone on the team when it's third and seven, the primary receiver is probably going to be Jermaine Burton almost all the time. He will be our move, the chains possession guy who catches the most balls. I just think that it's not just John Mechie of 2021. Burton's also a little Mechie 2020. Don't sell him short on getting vertical. He, he will make a big play too. Burton, I, I don't think, I don't know where it's come from, this idea that Burton's a possession receiver or a four six five type guy. Not true. Uh, he, he will take it to the house. He will get vertical and he can even take a screen and score.
1: Yeah, you know, being six foot, 200 pounds, you know, he, he's not an overly big guy and he doesn't have Henry Rugg's vertical speed. That's not really really how he wins vertically. It's kind of weird. He's just, that's why I'm comparing with John Mechie because John Mechie, when you look at him size and speed, you don't think a guy's going to be able to win consistently on vertical routes, but he's just able to do it. And that's how Jermaine Burton is. So I completely agree with you there. Number three for me, Tyler Booker, five-star player. According to On3, they have him all the way ranked up at number 14. The consensus has him at number 28. I really like what he's going to be able to bring to the table. And I do think that if Alabama and some of these other players aren't developing how Alabama needs them to, he could end up being a player that gets pressed into playing time early. He's got some positional flexibility, can play tackle or guard. I think he could survive at left tackle, but I personally think he's an ideal right tackle candidate. And then, you know, I think he could also be a fantastic guard Mahler in the run game, very physical at the point of attack. He's got the size that you look for. Not just a a ton of length, you know, 6'5", 325, but he's got enough of it definitely to survive out there at tackle. Uh, He did play guard, if I'm not mistaken, at the Under Armour All-American game. So do think he has some inside ability. You could end up seeing him play on the inside, depending on what happens with JV and Cohen, depending on what happens with Emil or if maybe he shifted to center, which I wouldn't predict, but that could happen. You could see Booker seeing some time uh, on the inside, uh, I think he will struggle a little bit playing tackle with speed off the edge, especially early in his career, but he's got an extremely high ceiling, definitely think he's a top three player that Alabama added in this recruiting class. And so, you know, he's number three for me, Jimmy, who you got number three?
0: Also Tyler Booker. Uh, we, we we agree here. And, and again, uh, just just the highest compliment for for an offensive tackle. So few of them show up ready to play big man, grown man, SEC football. He, he may he may be the guy uh, that shows up ready to be a starting tackle in the SEC. I can't I can't. Uh, uh you know convince you guys enough, uh, how rare uh, a talent like him is and, and I think he may have it uh, frame power converts his athleticism to power very well uh he, he seems to also be a technician I mean that's what it takes that's what it takes you, you can't just show up big and big and strong that's not enough you had to know how to play this kid looks like he knows how to play. And I don't think moving to the SEC is going to be a steep curve for him. Uh, I think whoever wins our tackle spots uh, this spring, I mean, watch out. I mean, here here comes Booker. If if he's not a starter this fall, it's, it's hard for me to imagine him not being a starter next fall.
1: With guys like Tyler Booker, it is projecting. And that's where I think people are super. I think that's why he made the kind of leaps that he did into that five-star territory and this is a guy who wanted to play defensive line for a huge part of his career and then he made he embraced you know switching off into tackle he has done fantastic things since he made that switch and I think that he can end up being a you know when, when you see the growth that he made throughout his high school career especially going from his junior to his senior year I think you know if, if he continues on that kind of trajectory as far as his development is concerned I mean, the sky's the limit for this guy. And that's why I think that, you know, I I believe he's a, a, just one of those players who works hard at his craft, he continues to develop, he continues to get better. And if he continues on that path, I think that's what leads to early playing time for Alabama. At number two, I have Jameer Gibbs. You know, I got both the transfers sitting up there at number one and two. I have Jermaine Burton at number one. I'll go ahead and reveal that as well. And the reason that I have Burton at number one, do I think he's the most impactful player on Alabama's offense of all these additions? Not necessarily. I think that could be Jameer Gibbs, but I think that adding that experienced player and Nick Saban talked about this yesterday when he brought up Jermaine Burton. They thought it was very important and very valuable that they are bringing in an experienced player, an experienced receiver who has playing time in the SEC. He knows what it takes. He knows you know going against the talented cornerbacks and you know and and when you watched him play with Stetson Bennett and be limited in what he was able to do with a guy like Stetson Bennett. It makes you think. I mean, what, what can he do with a guy like Bryce Young and Alabama's passing game? And that's why you're projecting him to be a huge volume target guy, be up there near 100 catches. I agree. I did find it funny, and I want I wanted to get your take. You know, in that same thing where where Nick Saban's talking about guys, he said that he talks about losing both starting receivers and Slade, which is understandable. But then he said they lost the two guys to the draft and Slade, and I'm like, but didn't you lose <laughs> Slade to the draft too? And, and he very specifically went out of his way to say, we lost the two guys at the draft and Slade. And I was like, huh? I mean, I'm pretty sure you left lost all three of the draft. But anyways, that's just, I, I did, as soon as he said that I was listening live and I was like, huh, why did he, why did he phrase it that way? Was it just a mishaps on his part? Don't really know. But number two, Jameer Gibbs, very fast, very explosive player who has really good hands. That's the way that Nick Saban put it. Can't really put it any better than that. think he's going to have an opportunity to come in and be a huge part of Alabama's offense. They do have other talent in the backfield with Jason McClellan and Roydell Williams and, and Trey Sanders and these freshman guys. So I'm not saying that he's going to get 25 touches a game, but I think that he's going to be very efficient with all of his touches that you give him. And he, the fact that he can make an impact as far as being a receiver out of the backfield and with his, I could see him averaging six and a half, you know, high sixes as far as his yards per carry, plus being a huge dynamic threat as a receiver Love what he's going to be able to bring to Alabama's offense. Uh, so I have him at number two. I have Jermaine Burton just because of the necessity. You know, at running back, I think they would have been fine, w- even though they didn't have a ton of experience. I think with Jace and Roydale and and all these other guys they brought in and Trey Sanders having some experience, I think they would have been fine. Not having Jermaine Burton at receiver, I think that Alabama by the end of the season would have been just fine. But I think beginning of it, not having that experience really – I think that that would have been a huge problem. So I put Bur- Burton at one, Jameer Gibbs at two. I know you put Ty Simpson at number two, which means Jameer Gibbs is sitting up there at number one.
0: Yeah, I had Gibbs at one. Uh, interesting that me and you, had the our list were really similar. There, there was no, I, I assumed before it would start that I'd have somebody in the top three that you'd have down there about 14 and, and vice versa, you know, too. Uh, but our list pretty pretty similar, actually. But uh, yeah, I have Gibbs at one just because of the, I see him not even Alabama, you know, last year going into the year, we thought it'd be running back by committee. Didn't really turn out that way primarily because of injury. Uh, but this, this time around, uh, I think Gibbs just, is going to be too good. I I don't think it's going to be by committee. I think it's Jameer Gibbs. The Jameer Gibbs show, the Jameer Gibbs show will be, uh, he will carry it. We will throw it to him. He will return kicks. Uh, and in my lifetime, uh, Clint, I can't remember. Uh, I mean, Jameer Gibbs wasn't a second team AP all American running back. I think he made the AP all American team as an all purpose guy because of he's a running back, he catches the ball and he returns the kicks. Just bringing in a second team, all American and dumping that kid into Tuscaloosa with what we've already got is just going to be a lot of fun. Great kid too. Real smart, uh, uh, lifetime buddies with Will Anderson, uh, yeah, I I I think I put it this way, uh, we have a returning Heisman winner. And if we give Gibbs enough opportunity, I, I'm not so sure he won't win a Heisman trophy next fall.
1: That's high praise, but I can't yeah. really dispute it because if he gets the Najee Harris treatment or the Derrick Henry treatment, then I mean he'll he'll be up there. And I know that it's become a quarterback's award and you got, you know, you're sprinkling in uh, you know, r- receivers. Now I was sprinkling in, you had one in Devontae Smith, but I mean, if there's going to be a player, the last running back to win the Heisman was Derek Henry in 2015. So if there's going to be, you know, a running back, who's going to be able to do it, I think he needs to be a very flashy player. He's got to be able to be a, you know, Reggie Bush type of, you know, receiver, uh, where he's just making a lot of plays that make you say, wow, and is also a very good runner. And is putting up statistics, and if, if Jameer Gibbs gets that treatment like some of these other Alabama running backs, then you know I, I, it's very hard to disagree with that. I th- definitely think of being the conversation, much like Najee was being a, a top five Heisman candidate, and so good things, man. But that's going to do it for today's episode of the Bam on Three Show, Jimmy. I appreciate you hopping on here with me as always. Tomorrow we'll be talking about the defensive power rankings and doing this whole same thing again. We've talked a long time. I guess we're closing in on an hour. But I feel like this was important just to give the listeners a chance to uh, or share our thoughts. By the way, also I want to bring this up very quickly. I know you got to go, but Brandon Dunham on Twitter. First of all, one of the most respectful ways that anybody has ever not—I don't—it wasn't intended to criticize me. it Was intended to help, but he did point out the things that I said about the rumors with Austin Davis, and I made sure that I, I clarified that there were rumors, but I gave I gave them attention talking about you know some stuff that maybe some reasons why he's no longer at Auburn I thought that they were ridiculous when I first heard him, but really I should have never brought him up in the first place but you know I just was saying these are things that I mean it's it's crazy all the things that I've heard as to why he might not be in Auburn I think it's more so just didn't want to recruit but the fact that that Brandon was willing to reach out he sent me a long message he was very respectful says he loves the show loves listening that we did not lose a listener but he just felt like that he should share that he felt that I probably shouldn't have given that any attention. And as I was saying it, I felt the same way, you know, when we were recording and I thought about taking it out, I decided not to, but just that Brandon, I wanted to give you a shout out on the podcast and say, that is how you approach people. And I completely agree. It was very respectful and is very much appreciated. So I appreciate the criticism and uh, I do want to apologize to Austin Davis for even giving that any attention. So Jimmy just wanted to point that out now you got to go but I appreciate you hopping on here with me brother
0: great show great show today and uh no better no better subject looking forward to tomorrow's show when we talk about the defense
1: absolutely man I'm looking forward to it too all right once again this is the bam on three show and I'm your host Clint Lamb
0: it is Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper